morning show, Sports Time 590, the man. Ben and his friend Gunning. Maybe Leafs did it again. Mm-hmm. Man, have, have there been discussions about the NHL going to shootouts deciding playoff games? Because might might might, might be the window the Leafs need. Oh. They lead the NHL with three shootout victories. Like, I I feel like you just had a heart attack. I did. I'm like, did someone actually no, bandy you that clown? about? God. <laughs> Well, no. you you said the sixty-seven thing, and honestly, that oh sounds so dumb. I can't believe it's happening. So I I don't know what to expect Brent, anymore. Yeah, it's never gonna happen. Like as as <laughs> much as the NHL stepped in it on occasion, that's they're never getting away from continuous five on five overtime in the postseason. Okay? Thank you, thank thank you. Right, it's the thing that we all don't agree even, is is a joke is. Even the people that are interlopers when it comes to watching the NHL. It's true. They're like, oh, that's the best. Yeah, the John Bois tweet yeah. of like, yeah, we, NHL, yeah, NHL like, overtime is what? Like doing cocaine out of a out helicopter of a- while riding a motorcycle <laughs> yeah. backwards or something like that. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to reference. It's perfect. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's that good. being said. It's good. <laughs> it hasn't worked out for the Maple Leafs in that fashion. Uh, and so far well, this hold season. On. I mean, quickly, I know the point you're trying to make, but. Overtime actually worked out like so well for them last year in the playoffs. That's true. Hey, John Tavares well, in just, game six. They won all of them in the Tampa series. So, Except for game five. Okay, they did lose the one. <laughs> you know, the one that knocked them out of the playoffs. No, no, I said in the first round. Yes, they won the all the OT round, games against yeah. Tampa. Uh, they didn't win all of them in the one year with the lowest expectations where they had a chance to knock off the president's trophy champion, Washington Capitals. But Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to say because of that sleeper cell agent, Alex Galchenyuk, and his like, uh, here, just have this Montreal. But we don't need to do that. Yeah. Although you did bring up the Justin Hall pick penalty to me last night, and it's a miracle <laughs> we didn't do three hours relitigating that this morning. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what my point was. I don't was. know what your point was. <laughs> the Maple Leafs. Oh, yes, I wanted to address, actually... A texter. Mm. We, we we read your text, 590-590, the ones that I, I don't deem like just, hey, you being mean or something. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I do generally read the text. I, I appreciate the criticisms, too. Mm. Uh, Not the, me. The, I, I can't take it. The nut graph of the, the text from unnamed yeah. texter is too negative about a team mm. that, that picked up the two points, won the hockey game yesterday against the Florida Panthers. Also tying it to some comments from Matthew Kachuk, which we can talk about at some point in this block here as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, I get that. That's that's a fine opinion to have. And you know what? On the show, I feel like mm-hmm. you had it. Yeah. You you were I started you were the like, show saying tis tis. How dare you? You embodied the nameless texter. The nameless texter. My burner. Shout pushing out to that back guy. To my negativity yeah. after yeah the the pig that is the Toronto Maple Leafs had the lipstick against again, smeared all over about, their again, lips. I don't know about you. I love bacon and ham. It's so good. <laughs> It's so good. It's true. Hey, two points better than one point. Certainly better than zero. Zero points. And so much better. Yeah. The Oilers, I mean, despite the fact that, like, now it feels like, man, I'd like to check, actually, what their postseason odds are because they're making the playoffs. And Connor McDavid is, is winning the Art Ross trophy. But, yeah, would the Oilers have loved to have picked up some ugly-looking two points? Mm-hmm. Or, points in this? No question. The bar for this team... Well, one, it's not the regular season, but we're all trying to predict what this means. According to Money Puck, it's fifty-five percent for the Oilers right to make now. the playoffs. Yeah, to make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that and that's not a betting website. That's like yeah. analytically, no, no. Yeah, 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 like they also agree yeah. that the Oilers are making the playoffs. I agree that the team 
with the guy that has, what, 12 points over the last three games is going to make the playoffs. Ew. Zach Hyman has to get healthy. Uh, the Leafs not even five percentage points above them in that regard, that's according to this website. actually hilarious. Yeah. yeah. I also kind of buy that, too, because that's the other thing. It's like the bar is so high with this Leafs team. Like, we're trying to evaluate what they are, mm-hmm. especially with some different pieces here. 20 games in with a new general yep. manager. Uh, uh, okay. I get it. A win is a win is a win. Two points is a two points is a two points. Style points do matter, especially considering we're almost at 10 years with this mm-hmm, core. Totally. And, and you're playing the team that knocked you out of the mm-hmm. postseason a year ago because of their physicality, because yep. of their give a damn. Mm-hmm. They played last night on the back to back. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry that I can't just sit here and talk glowingly about a, a, a winning a shootout against the Panthers despite looking like you were on another planet for the opening 20 minutes. Yeah, man, it's the, I think the reason why it is fair to start the show talking about that the way you did is that because that has been, you know, of all the, (coughs) of all the fatal flaws for the Leafs over the years, and we've, we've had a lot of them. It's been the blue line. It's been, they can't get a save. It's been the big boys don't show up when you need them to the most. But the through line through all of this, going all the way back to Babs, Start on time in a game that matters just once in your life. Please, I'm begging you. And that is the reason why last night is so frustrating. That is the reason why I agreed. Like, I mean, I had to push back because there was good things for that game last night, but I understand the tone to take after that game because of everything you laid out. Kachuk rolls over your goalie. There's no response. I think that's part and parcel of the starting the game on time of the give a bleep meter. It is infuriating. Now, two things can be true. Second and third periods, they outplayed the Panthers. Maybe you thought, I don't think barely. Maybe dominating is too strong, but certainly not not barely. That's too weak. Find a middle ground. Find a new slant, not barely. <laughs> or the high the danger scoring. Those periods. Or the high danger scoring chance. It was a 4 1 and 4 2. It's like, ooh, oh, dominating. Oh. What a dominating performance. Yeah, that's like six. That's like, it's like two thirds of the high danger scoring chances. <laughs> yes, to me, that's a dominate. Anyways, there were good things from that game. But if Joe Wall doesn't hold you in that game in the first period, we don't get yeah. to talk about any of those good things. We don't get to give them credit for a pushback after they're down for nothing. Cause I wouldn't be doing that. Yeah. But it's I- very different to do it where, okay, you got punched in the mouth to start the game. Then in the second period, Max Domi got punched in just about every appendage he had available to be punched <laughs> oh in. Okay. Goodness. Do you so, want to get punched in an appendage? No, I, I don't want to get punched just for the record. I don't want to get punched anywhere, yeah. especially by Sam Bennett. That looks like <laughs> the least fun. He just looks like a guy who'd be good at punching. Buddy, like, yeah, that fight, punches thrown per second were Woo! very high. Speed bag, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, Bo, and like, to Domi's credit, he was throwing them. Like, yeah. and this is the I thing, do. like, we all, that's all you want. Like, it doesn't, no, you it don't doesn't matter. Fight. No, God, win the fight. That doesn't no. matter. Like, would it be great to win the fight? Yeah, when Luke Shen beat the wheels off Tanner Janot in the playoffs. Yeah, that felt amazing. Oh, but yeah. you just got to show up. You just got to be there. Because guess what? In Tampa, they're going, boy, Tanner. Yeah. Okay, so that's, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Because that's the other side of the equation. It's like, hey, oh, Max Domi gets his head caved in yeah, by Sam Bennett. But it's, you know, that is, I test the other way. It's like, oh, I give kudos to, totally. to Max Domi. 1,000%. 100%. Because he did what... 
nobody was willing to do when Matthew Kachuk, as you mentioned earlier, ran over Joseph Wall. Was he like kind of maybe guided in by Matthew Nyes? I guess. But this is why I brought up the Sens-Panthers game from the night before when we were talking, teeing up this game yesterday. There was that moment where Brady Kachuk at the end of the game goes in and yeah. did did somebody maybe push him into the goalie? Maybe. Who cares? And did I, he take Sergei Bobrovsky's head off? No. No, but who cares? You yeah. touch him. You got to pay for it. And well, it just... Joseph Wall's helmet came off. It flew off. And, you know, the Leafs aren't... Like, they're never going to be that, okay? But they have guys who have a bit of that in them. We saw it out of Domi. Obviously, we know Ryan Reeves. He wasn't on the ice. But, like, Jake McCabe's a jerk. He wants to be that guy. Simone Benoit, if you can't be that guy, you know, I understand your utility now is that you're a warm body on the blue line. But, like, what would you say you do here if you're not going to be doing that. They have some of the pieces, but it's exactly what we talk about with Kachuk all the time. It has to bleed from a Kachuk. It can't bleed from a Domi, from a Mark Giordano, from a Ryan Reeves. It has to bleed Somebody. from the top six. And Yeah, Matthew Nyes is right there. He's a large fella. Yeah, but but it's infecting him, for lack of a better term. And I don't even think it's infecting him, but it's that... He's seeing that that's a totally fine way to go about your business because that's how they go about it's their business. Just, I gotta say, and I, I know it's like you're you're tilting at windmills here. You're yelling mm. at clouds, but anyone who's ever like played the game, like even that, like I'm talking about a men's league level, yeah, yeah. who's ever played hockey, like to see a teammate get run over or to see something untoward happen in a play that you're in close proximity to. Whose blood doesn't immediately start to boil? Yep. Like I, I just, I to me to have the instinct to do nothing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've just like just for for people who are playing for no stakes, who have nothing on the yep. line, who are just looking to blow off some steam mm-hmm. after work or whatever. Like we've all been in those moments. Yep. And yeah, and you're like, why am I getting so mad? Like, who cares about mm-hmm. this stupid game? But it, we all, how is that not being translated on the ice? For guys with very different stakes. And that's, I think that's the most frustrating thing for people. And when you talk about difference in yeah. markets, like everybody that watches this hockey team also plays hockey. Yeah. So that's part of it. Yeah, there's de- that's a great point. There's definitely part of it. But, I mean, we can it's we can scream about it until we're blue in the face, man. Like, the four or five guys that this team takes their personality from, and I don't think any one of them is a a crucially flawed personality that you can't win with. Like, I don't think John Tavares can't be the captain of a winning hockey team. I'm not saying that. I don't think Austin Matthews can't be the best player on a winning hockey team. I absolutely think he can. I don't think Mitch Marner, William Nylander can't be guys who drive the bus. Morgan Riley, playoff Mo, God love him. He's the one who has a bit of that in him, a bit of that bite nastiness, but... It's not really in his nature until you get to those like playoff fervent moments. And guess what? Everybody in the league kind of raises it up a level there. And it's just, again, it goes back to the conversations we had about what Kachuk did to kind of flip the script on that Panthers team and just having one guy who's a maniac there and not, not in your, on your third line running around, not a third pair D who's going to take big runs at guys, but the heartbeat of your team. And, it's the thing I'm going to always wonder about forever because I think it will be something we'll never really get an answer for here is just what if one of those guys was wired differently? Just one, just one. And it's the, it's the unknowable thing, 
But the problem is, I think it's going to be the question we'll always have that will be if the likelihood, I mean, like that this core doesn't get it done, that's going to be the thing we always look back to. I think we can have our questions about the roster and goaltending and defense. And sure. Did they get paid too much? These are all fair questions to have, but I don't think any of that stuff matters nearly as much as that other thing. What uh, the other thing that's unknowable is what Sheldon Keefe's post game media availability looks like. If the final two periods play somewhere close to the same as the first period, as a man that you know, we've seen him get upset, mostly at the officials yeah, not, on the bench. You don't see him do that with his team. Like yeah, that, Tyler right. Bertuzzi is the guy that he feels like either he's got the biggest axe to grind against or the guy that he thinks can take it the most because he does feel like, they, I mean, the fans have their own whipping boys. Mm-hmm. And now that John Klingberg's gone, it's, it's yeah, I guess Mitch Marner is wearing that now. Um, yeah, it does feel like the second John Klingberg went L- on LTIR. <laughs> Mitch Marner's like... <laughs> Feels hot. I don't. Yeah. Know. Why is it so hot in here? And it's never gonna be Ryan Reeves, I don't think. And no, it's yeah. I liked his game last night, quite he, frankly. He's fine, playing some minutes too. But yeah, for Sheldon Keefe, it appears to be Tyler Bertuzzi. I, that that man was very very upset. I mean, I, I look at that as, and not that you can't yell at John Tavares. I, like I actually think if there's any human in the world you can yell at, it's John Tavares. You go mm, louder than normal. Must be upset. <laughs> But that's a tale as old as time. You got two stars on the line and there's another guy. You know, how many times have we heard stories of ex-athletes of, you know, player X will make a mistake and we wait until that same mistake is made later in the video by another player on the team to really point it out and hammer the point home because it's just the tact as old as time. So I I like that from Keith, quite honestly. You want... if. If we think the team needs to be engaged, if we think they need to wake up, if we think the the urgency of all of this needs to be drilled home, I don't know. The head coach is good a place to start as any. So I had no problem with that. And I think this is also very telling of where we're at on Nylander on this. Because if you want to do anything with that clip, like if William Nylander didn't have the start to the season he had, yeah. he's kind of half chuckling while yeah. it keeps going, which is fine. Like that's William Nylander. It's who he is. You have to live with like. You have to live with that or be angry at him all the time because that's just who he is. But could you imagine a world where it's not Nylander who's setting the world on fire, but it's some of the past Nylander we've had and he's tearing into Bertuzzi and he's kind of half chuckling or laughing or whatever. And again, I'm not killing Nylander for it. That's who he is. You, that's what makes him the player. He is all of that. But could you imagine the conversation we'd be having if it was a different year? It's amazing how he's just risen above it. Yeah. How he is like, Man, not even in the line of succession when it comes to the potential, um, the potential uh, targets of a fan no. ire. No, not, not even close. All right, uh, we'll come back around to the Leafs. We'll talk we more talk Leafs. To, Shocker. Yeah, when we talked to Nick Kiprios after eight o'clock. I, I want to get to this Ken yes. Rosenthal report, quote unquote, early story column, most recently uh, published in the Athletic. Because the Blue Jays have turned into. This offseason, what the Raptors are at every trade deadline the last three years, like they're the team where it feels like everything's circled mm-hmm. around, whether it's Shoei Otani or potential trades. Anyways, here's a, a pull quote from Ken Rosenthal's latest. Blue Jays are getting calls on first baseman Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Mm-hmm. as well as Bichette, according to Major League sources who were granted anonymity in order to speak freely. However, it makes little sense for the Jays to move either star when they are under pressure to win and believed to be pursuing Shohei Otani. Granted, Neither Bichette nor Guerrero has signed a contract extension and both are two years away from free agency, but good luck to the Jays finding a replacement at Bichette's level for 2024 or one with the promise of Guerrero. That's true. 
I buy that. Yeah. I'll, I'll buy that for a dollar. Uh, more the Bichette's level of play that you're going to get in 2024 than, okay, the promise. Yeah. We're beyond, like, the promise. Because uh, agreed. <laughs> I, well, no, this is, I think this is an important thing to delve delve into when it's a guy like Rosenthal talking as opposed to you, I, or anybody in this market is that we can have our feeling about uh-huh. Vladdy and we've seen it, mm-hmm. but I think that there is, and I'm not saying it holds a ton of weight, but Rosenthal isn't saying that because like, I do think there are people in major league baseball that are not nearly as down on Vladdy as everybody sure. is in this market. So I think like, I just think it's important to kind of, yeah. when you step away from and it and it's I degrees yes. too, right? Like down on Vladdy, right? N- nobody thinks he's a bad player. No, no, no. But I think the idea that you can pin your offensive hopes on him being something close to what you saw in 2021 and 2024, like that's, if you're doing that, that's, you're really, really optimistic. And congratulations to you for being Mr. Optimism. That's not me, but I, I'm just saying I can see teams pedigree name and, and some of the underlying stuff, like the hard hit rate, the barrel rate, all that stuff. How many conversations do we, and this isn't me saying, oh, we should think more highly of Vladdy than we do. However we all feel about Vladdy right now is exactly the right way to feel. Like, where I think we've landed on a pretty mm-hmm. good spot. But I could see a team saying, ah, this guy, okay, whatever years removed from a borderline MVP year, all of this, the hard hit rate, the barrel stuff, I, I, can, I can understand it. I'm not trying to oversell it. I'm not trying to sell you on it, but I think it's important to kind of add that context. But to the point of the promise of Vladimir Guerrero mm-hmm. Jr., and maybe he can recapture that, and, and maybe he can be better than a season ago, and, and maybe he can be you know, a top five offensive player in Major League Baseball. That better happen next season mm-hmm. because I know th- – they got two more years of team control. Here's what I'm willing to wager. That if things don't go the way the Blue Jays want them to in 2024, they ain't going into 2025 with one more year of Bo and Vlad right. and just rolling the dice right. on being able to re-sign those guys. This is the year. Mm-hmm. It's not two years. It's one year. This, this is why you're hearing the talk of the yep. big move. And it's why you're hearing the show. Like, they can't afford to miss on 2024 it's not 2024 and 2025 it is 2024 and i mean to that point it is it's still incredible to me that we're like almost in december we're almost at the winter meetings and the blue jays are still i mean you you talk about the teams most mentioned around Mm -hmm. Shohei otani it's dodgers one it's like maybe the rangers two and it's like blue jays three like there's not going away and and I guess it also should be noted that nobody appears to have any real, real good information on this, but mm-hmm. the information that they've gotten is the Blue Jays are right there. And like I said, they should be because, one, they're trying to pack a, a brand-new renovated building mm-hmm. at Rogers Center, and they're under pressure to win next season, not in 2024 and 2025. It has to happen this year. If you win 89 games again, you sneak into the playoffs and you go out meekly mm-hmm. in the first round – like this isn't a, a situation where you just run it back, you re-sign everybody, and you come back for one more year. You're you're not doing that. You're mm-hmm. literally either resetting the timeline by trading one, if not both, of mm-hmm. Vlad and Bo, and accumulating younger players. You, or yeah, you're you're doing that with both of them, and you are looking at like a couple of years in the wilderness. This is this is the year, 2024. Does it feel to you at this point like it's a trade of one of those two guys or Shohei? Like, or is there a world where it's both those guys are back and there's not the the Shohei splash? Yeah, I, I well, I, 
find it very difficult to imagine that either guy is being traded if you are signing of Shohei that, Otani. Yeah, that's why I, yeah. I, I also find it difficult to Im- imagine a scenario, unless it is the one that, like, I was the first on, you but were, now, you were like, early, and everyone else is doing it, and yeah. no one's going to give you credit. I've been here before, so I know. It stinks. <laughs> I was first on Pete Alonzo for Vlad Jr. Island, which I like for 2024. Again, like, if you do see what I see, and you see the timeline shrinking beyond just two years to to one year, I feel more confident in a baseline of power that you're going to get from Pete Alonso in 2024 than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Like the age yeah. thing is significant and an extra year of team control, yada, 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 yada. Cause like, even if you're not re-signing Vlad Jr., at least you can recoup assets maybe in the off season, mm-hmm. or you can hold on to him to the deadline of, of 2025 and, and get something for him. Pete Alonso, if you are trading for, Either you're re-signing for money that's not going to look good. Like, that's the, yeah. the, the type of dollars we're talking about a, a first baseman is 30. Like, that's not going to look good, the back end of that thing. Or you're just getting the compensatory draft picks when you qualify him and he leaves as a free agent. But if it if it's a 2024 thing, and boy, do you feel the pressure to get it. And there's other things that mm-hmm. come. Because I've also seen, like, Anthony Castrovens had the most recent trade scenario on MLB Network where it was like, Vlad... And uh, Alec Manoa going to the Mets for Pete Alonso and Jeff McNeil, who's a yeah, utility yeah. player for the Mets, who had a bad year mm-hmm. and has more than $40 million coming. Like, that one makes no sense. If you're <laughs> trading Vlad for Pete Alonso, well, I said that, yeah, in 2024, Pete Alonso is probably providing you more value than, than Vlad, especially if they did similar things mm-hmm. to what they did a season ago. You're still having to pay a price to getting the younger player with the extra year of team control that you feel more comfortable extending than Pete Alonso. That's not like a one-for-one trade where you're like, okay, and that's it. Like, no, the, the Mets have to provide ancillary value, and Jeff uh, McNeil's not that. So when that, that's that's like the only type of trade that I can see making sense. Not this whatever Cubs-Bichette deal, <laughs> because Bichette is providing you surplus value at a position totally. of need. Yeah, I'm with you there. But yeah, to the again, it, it feels like the Blue Jays are the it team of the offseason that everything kind of hinges around what they do, um, which may be happening in the coming days. All right. Time now for something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. We heard from Tiger Woods yesterday. Oh, speaking of great. Right after we went off the air, uh, Tiger at uh, the Hero World Challenge took to the microphone, outlaid some of his plans for this upcoming year. My game feels rusty. Um, yeah, I haven't I haven't played in a while, and so you know I had my sub Taylor fused, and so I, I'm excited to compete and play, and I'm just as curious as all of you are to see what happens. Um, I I miss being out here with the guys. Uh, I I miss the camaraderie and the fraternity like atmosphere out here, and the overall banter. I but what drives me is I, I love to compete. Uh, there will come a point in time, I, I haven't come around to it y- fully yet, that um, I won't be able to win again. Um, when that day comes, and I'll, I'll walk. But I, well, now I can walk. Yeah. Uh, I want to say run away, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk away. So you being here assumes you think you can still win out here? I, absolutely. Best scenario would be maybe a term in a month. You know, I think that's realistic. The biggest events are one one per month, mm. so it sets itself up for that. Now, I I need to get myself ready for all of that, and you know, I think this week is a big step in that direction. Uh, tournament a month, quick math. 
It's 12, 12 tournaments. Yeah. That's 12 months. Last time he played 12 tournaments mm-hmm. in a season is a very memorable 2019 Oh, what season. happened? He won the Masters. Oh, he played in all four majors. And he played in 12. Outside of that, it's been like single digits, but like one and two and three and like maxing out at four the last number of years. 12 is... That is outrageous. That is quite a goal for a 47-year-old Tiger Woods. I, kudos to him if he's able to pull it off. I have my doubts. Yeah, I have massive doubts about this. I, I said it yesterday. I wish he would give us the opportunity to just say goodbye. He actually hinted it. Maybe. That, I, I don't know that he has ever been, oh, I will walk away. Like, I'm not going to overstate what that means. But if it even just enters his brain at all, I wonder if we're closer then what then has to think. happen for him to not believe that he's going to win though right that's the thing is like when you're such a serial competitor and you just believe in yourself and why wouldn't you he's like he won the masters in 2019 when he could barely walk and he has like a fused spine and he's a miracle of modern medicine like it's how can you ever not have belief in yourself if you're that guy you know i do wonder if i do wonder the thing I was wondering if it was going to kind of push him towards there was his son getting older and better and not in the sense of like, I can't compete with my son anymore, but more just, you know, like you and I have kids. It's like, sometimes you look at them and you go, wow, I'm, I'm old and I don't even have kids that are as old as yours yeah. are yet. So I do wonder, I've like wondered if that's been part of it, but yeah, it's, he is the great curiosity in golf. He forever will be. And it is just such a, it just hammers home. How, the gulf between him and everyone else in the sport still in star power that we're sitting here talking about this today. Yeah. I want to thank Phil Mickelson for winning PGA championship at 50 years oh, old. Why? I hated that because maybe that's the oh, thing that Tiger's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. All okay. right. I'm 47. I'm on board with that. But Phil, ew, Phil, get him out of yeah, here. You're right. That's oh, get him out of here. I like that. That's very good. <laughs> All right. When we come back, uh, we'll talk to Michael Grange. As the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590 The Fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Raptors losing to the Nets yesterday. Back at it. Back half of back-to-backs. Tonight, Sportsnet 590 The Fan against the Phoenix Suns at 7.30. Raptors reaction will follow the game on the Sportsnet radio network. Uh, let's talk to Michael Grange, Sportsnet's own. How's it going, Michael? It's going good. How are the guys doing? I'm all right. Uh, let's, uh, you know what? Let's start before we get to Raptors-specific thoughts. The group stage phase of the in-season tournament now complete. Your uh, lasting thoughts from it? <laughs> the uh, My lasting thoughts are uh, I love... I've discovered I love talking about how I would make it better. That's my. Uh, <laughs> that's not nothing. Listen, that's that's it's good. Not Chris for the it's, mill. It's not, it's not nothing. It's um, I think uh, I definitely would have been on, on the skeptical side going into it um, when I heard about it. I am not usually one to, you know, the more people try to force things down my throat, the less I generally tend to be uh, to appreciate it. So. Um, that was a bit of an issue too with the courts and the jerseys and the commercials and everything. But, um, but you know, like sure enough, here you are in the last week of November, early December, when basically nobody's 
typically nobody really cares about the NBA till after Christmas. Um, and at least people are people are talking about it. You had games last night that I think I think the last couple of games of the group stage have been, have been pretty competitive. Like I watched uh, Golden State and Sacramento last night when I got uh, got back to my room at the hotel, and you know it was it was a live game. Like there was a lot of juice in that, and uh, and even the finish of last night's game with Toronto and 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 Brooklyn, Brooklyn trying to you know kind of build up their uh, point differential and kind of really you could tell the fourth quarter they really I thought brought um, a lot of energy in the fourth quarter and I thought defensively for most of the game so um, yeah so I think I think there's there's definitely I think it it had its intended purpose of being something people are talking about I think it did it has kind of amped up a little bit of the competition and, and we've seen it in some games. But I think, as I said, I, I just see, you know, if you let yourself think, you know, two, three, four, five years ahead or more, you know, there's the potential for this thing being really, really interesting. So you said uh, you, you sit here thinking uh, ad nauseum, just racking your brain, Grange, trying to figure out ways <laughs> to, to make this better. What's your favorite? Like, what have you, of the <clears throat> ideas you've heard, of the ideas you've come up with, like, what is your favorite that you think would kind of maybe make this even better? Um. I think the number one thing is you have to separate the uh, the in-season tournament games from the regular season. So, you know, I think big picture, you know, they've been talking about ways to, to trim the regular season for a long time. So you could, I think if you could maybe uh, get the, get it down to like 72, 73 games, that's so you only play in conference three, three, everybody just plays three teams three times instead of four. And then, and then you make the in-season tournament its own thing. You treat it completely separately. Maybe it gets a, an entire devoted week during the regular season, or you know, this time of year where you get, you know, everyone goes and plays their cup games, whatever it might be, or a couple of different weekends. Um, and then, you know, so I've been kind of on that one for a little while. And then, as I was thinking, I was talking to Jose Calderon actually last night, and uh, he now works for Cleveland Cavaliers, so he was uh, he was in Brooklyn, and and uh, we were chatting about this. And he mentioned, you know, he says in Europe, uh, you know, he experienced this when he played basketball in Europe, obviously. And we, you know, this is obviously a huge soccer thing is a lot of these cup, cup competitions, there's a relegation factor. Mm. So you have to, you know, qualify to get into it. And, and then there's no meaningless games. Even the games at the bottom are super intense because you want to stay in the, you know, whatever the champions league or whatever the level is. Um, and so, uh, you know, when I was talking, to, what it occurred to me is maybe you could make it that there's only 24 teams in the uh, to pick a number in the in-season tournament, and so each year you have to finish, you know, qualifying for the champ the uh, in-season tournament, which is separate from the regular season, is based on either how you performed the year before in in the tournament, or maybe on regular season record or something like that. Hmm. And I think it would be, and then you have. You know, a bigger a bigger prize pot. There's more money for less teams. Um, and again, you you know, even a game between Chicago and Toronto, like uh, last Friday, which is a uh, an in-season tournament game, would have a lot of ramifications because even though both those teams were well, effectively eliminated, it, you know, it could have affected their opportunity to be in the in the tournament uh, next year. That kind of thing. So you have no problem with the point differential tiebreaker thing, the Andre Drummond getting hacked Hack, down to 30 points. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, you know, I think that's just an education thing, right, is is um, once 
people understand what it's all about and why, then yeah, it's fine. It's part of competition. I think it's just so jarring, Mm -hmm. you know, you had the incident, uh, you know, with DeMar in Toronto, and then obviously it was kind of not that pretty, I guess, uh, with Boston and Chicago. But, Mm -hmm. you know, look, I mean, you know, what are we mad about? Is is it Boston was competing too hard? Like, you know, it's uh, play better. Make a free throw. Yeah, agreed. That's, yeah. that's the right opinion. You know, sometimes people say, well, that's your opinion. No, that is, that's actually the, the right one, one to have. Yeah, well, well done. And the way I kind of looked at it, Grange, and, you know, it's interesting you mentioned Calderon and the experience in European basketball is I do wonder how much of it is it just takes time to kind of normalize these things out. Like we just watched, I mean, you and I talked a bunch about that FIBA tournament that we just watched where point differential mattered. And you, it just seems like it is more an accepted part of those tournaments. And I do think it's something Thing where it's almost just, you know, it's not education in the sense of people don't understand point differential, but I just think you kind of got to get used to having it in your life because I, I do think that's something that'll just kind of get normalized here as this thing goes on for a couple of seasons. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's so new. That's one thing as you're going through it. It's just so new. There's, you know, it does feel like it was a little bit, I don't want to say half thought out, but it, you know, wasn't complete thought all the way through. And, um, you know, and I just think it's there's going to be what we're seeing this season. This, I would say this: if this is how it stays, you know, I don't see much hope for it. Like it's going to be okay, whatever, a bit of a gimmick, <laughs> right? But you know, it'll be fine. Like you know, like it's oh yeah, okay, oh yeah, right. But but I mean, if if you can really pump it up, give it some juice, um, raise the stakes. Um, yeah, I think it can be a super interesting element in, in a long season and. And look, Europe's been playing sports a lot, a long time, you know, and, and for some reason they've found these kinds of in-season competitions to be really important and integral. And, you know, maybe uh, North America should be a little less xenophobic and uh, pay attention <laughs> instead of just taking all the players, you know, maybe take some ideas and, and actually execute them. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I like, I like having... Yeah, playoffs, and I, I, I like not caring. Sure. He didn't too. say all the ideas, know, Ben, just a couple. Anyways, open your mind. There, Can't there, believe I'm the one saying that. There, there's a parallel to what you said about the in-season tournament. If it stays this way, it's hopeless. And the Raptors, like, if they stay this way, there's not, not a lot uh, positive to be said about this team that looks eerily similar to the one that we saw win 41 games a season ago. Like, it's not a nightmare, right? Like, boy, a couple of big double-digit comebacks in the second half, and you're really looking at a pretty ugly record for this Raptors team. It's 8-10, and 10, and they had that four-game run of offensive success. It should be stated against teams that weren't exactly juggernauts either. But Grange, man, I don't know. If you're if you're Bobby Webster and Masai Ujiri and, and you watch these first, se- uh, first 18 games play out, uh, like, what are you thinking? Yeah, I think they've, they've got to pick a path. I think I'd be shocked if they don't pick a path. I'd be surprised if they aren't almost having already decided <laughs> what that path might be. Um, and and I agree. I mean, I think, you know, I think what's been shown both, uh, you know, is, is that this roster, you know, under the hand of, I think, pretty good coaches. Yeah, I mean, Nick Nurse is obviously a pretty good coach. Uh, I think Darko Rakovic so far has, has really implemented um, you know, I think when you're talking about coaching, like can they get a group of players to play a style? Can they, do they respond to um, what 
um, you're trying to implement? And, you know, does this team respond when they get kicked? And we've seen that multiple times, as you point out. Um, you know, this record could be a lot worse had they not kind of been able to step up and perform well in games in tough situations in between. You know, they've had some really good performances when they needed them. So I think, you know, coaching really isn't an issue. <laughs> you know, I think, you know, Nick played at one style. Darko's playing in another style. Um, the results are roughly the same. And uh, I don't look at this group and go, you know what, like uh, there's a there's a nine out of ten coming here. Like they're gonna they're they're just poised to to rip off, you know, uh, a defining kind of streak. Um, if anything, I go, well, they've been pretty healthy. Um, they've had some pretty good performances from you know, a number of different corners. And I just don't think that the, they're deep enough. I don't think their high end is high enough. And, you know, I think they're going to be on the edge of the play in all season. So, you know, uh, there's a lot of evidence there. So, um, you know, I, I just, so I, I imagine if you're in their shoes, they're, if that's what they want, then okay, that's what they have. But if, uh, if they want something different, they're going to have to do something different. Yeah, and I, I, you know, it'll be interesting to see the way it plays out. I, I guess the thing I'm most curious about with it is Siakam seems pretty straightforward just in terms of timeline, in terms of age, in terms of the money he's going to command. OG is the more of a question mark for me just because you can't, like, give him the deal that makes any sense in season. So you do have to go to to free agency with him if you want to try to keep him. But he's also the player that's here that kind of makes the most sense. I mean, we say alongside Scotty, but the beautiful thing about OG is he makes sense alongside just about anyone. How do you think they'll they'll kind of play that out again if they do end up going in the direction I think we all think makes the most sense here with a bit of a, you know, a reset, teardown, whatever you want to call it? Yeah, that I don't know. I mean, I think, um, you know, your point's pretty well made there. So, uh, I think, you know, when it comes to OG and OB, if you, if you're confident you can sign them, you know, it's pretty hard to let them walk to, it's pretty hard to get something in return that would eventually turn into something like OG and OB. You know what I mean? I mean, he's, uh, you might, you know, you might, there might be a, you know, a young player on a roster that's, that's ready to break out, you know, a few years ago, um, you know, someone told you that you could have got Tyrese Maxine in trade. Well, okay, who cares, right? Well, okay, maybe that would have been a good trade. <laughs> and by the way, that wasn't available. Mm-hmm. Okay, like, you know, we can we don't have to relitigate that. But <laughs> but you know, if there is if there is you know that kind of player out there, then you know, okay. But um, but chances are, regardless of the picks you're getting or the the uh, you know the players you're getting, you're probably not going to get an All NBA defender who could start on a championship team for the next six, seven, eight years, right? So um, so I think if you think you can sign OG Ananobi, I think you probably keep him. Um, but, you, you know, if, if you can't get any kind of assurance that way, then you probably have to be aggressive and, and, and shop, I would think. All right, before they go, Grady Dick demoted to the G League. His uh, G League debut was, like, shockingly bad. Uh, one of 12. <laughs> 0-6 from three. Bounce back uh, in, in game two. A bunch of uh, free throws made, 22 points, but still 5 of 21 and 3 of 12 from beyond the arc. I, at the NBA level, I, I, I kind of he, – he showed me more than I expected to see outside of the shooting, um, but the shooting was bad, and the shooting has been worse at the G League level. Hey, he's a 20-year-old player, um, and there's lots of runway left for this to play out, but 
I don't know, is there is there a track record of guys being off to such slow starts, especially shooting the ball? Like, we see guys come into the league without a refined shooting stroke that eventually figure it out, but not guys that are supposed to be shooters right out of the gates. Yeah, I mean, I'd be a lot more worried, and just talking to people, like, they would be a lot more worried if uh, the rest of his game was not up to par. Um, like, so I think what's encouraging is... You know, I think his resiliency through all this has been really good. I think the fact, you know, people would laugh, but the fact he took 21 shots after, you know, at the tail end of, like, the slump he's been in, I think that's really important. You know, like, it's way easier but way more concerning if he starts kind of turtling and turning down shots. So I think, you know, like, his mental, emotional, you know, resiliency, I think, is is good. Um you know, the fact that he can't get the ball to go in the basket is kind of the thing I worry about least, to be honest. Um, it's just impossible for a guy who's got a proven track record being not just a good shooter, but a really good shooter to not be competent. Like, you know, what we're seeing is not going to continue. It's just impossible. So um, it will turn around. And the fact that the other elements of his game have kind of helped steady or improved. Like, I, you know, you watch him defensively, and, you know, that's, you know, a big question mark. And, and as a system team defender, he's really good. He's really smart. The IQ is there. It's just uh, he's in kind of a, a bit of a rabbit hole or kind of a spiral in terms of his, his shooting. And, you know, it, I, I'd be stunned if it didn't turn around. Um, so that's that's the way I look at it. I mean, and, and if it turns around, like I was, you know, I think the positives kind of go, okay, this guy looks like he, you know, the 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 floor is is good, and and the ceiling might be higher than you than you might have thought. So um, it's just it is a bit shocking how he shot the ball, but um, you know, I don't think it's I don't think that's a permanent thing. Uh, fingers crossed, it's not. Uh, Grange, thanks as always. All right, guys, have a great day. You too. Michael Grange, Sportsnet's own in Brooklyn, watching the Raptors lose yet again to the Nets. Like, again, boy, you want to talk about the lipstick on a pig that has happened mm-hmm. for the Leafs with their victories beyond yeah. the regulation 60 minutes? The Raptors at 8 and 10 have also been lipsticked. Mm-hmm. That Like, they should be 6 and 12. Well, if the... If the Leafs are a pig, we... I'm sorry, we need an uglier animal. Mm, there's some good-looking pigs too, right? Are like, there? Like Bot belly pig? Like, come on, that's that not cute little. Cute. Yeah, you're right. Cute little teacup pig. I you're mean, right. of yeah. all the animals, like pig. Uh, well, then why do you've been the one? I, that's saying the it. expression. I know you love an expression. But like, I did, there's so many. Like, you like, love an idiot. Turkey vulture. Oh my god, have you ever seen a turkey vulture? I have. My goodness. Actually, I was talking vultures at one point in time in the show in the summer, and then we had to get into wondering what sound they made, and I. I Led me to Google them. They're disgusting, yeah, quite frankly. Maybe that's like they, like the Detroit Pistons are the turkey vulture. So somewhere, Lipstick on a vulture. <laughs> Sounds worse. I, like, we should say oh, that. It's like, a, yeah, and they don't have lips. So like top hat on a turkey vulture. <laughs> mm, maybe you got something there. And, anyways. You okay? You just died. <laughs> Made myself yeah. laugh. It's the alliteration, right? Yeah. It's top hat on yeah. a turkey vulture. I yeah. like that. It's good. <laughs> 
You should make that your new lipstick on a pig, and you should just say it to people like it's a thing, yeah. like you do good morning at the end of conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Which is actually now. We got to throw that at Grange next time. I, I feel know. like he'd perfectly exactly. handle that one way or another. It's true. But, yeah, the Raptors came back from down 20 points at halftime against the Spurs. They came down, came back from down 20 points against a bad Wizards team mm-hmm. who, who played in, boy, the the toilet bowl of the season against the Pistons and pound the Pistons into into sand, which is holy cow! Like the Pistons do have like Cade Cunningham is playing for them now, yes. and then they appear to be the worst team in the history of the NBA. I saw I saw something on like Pistons Twitter that was just hey, don't it's not so bad. We we sat out Duncan's prime, we sat out LeBron's, we're gonna sit out Wemby's too. But <laughs> come twenty forty, you better watch out. It's Pistons season, baby. That's funny. But yeah, uh, Raptors record not all that glamorous at eight and ten. What if it were six and twelve? Yeah, yeah. it could very easily be. Maybe, um, maybe that'd be better. And I, I get it, Grady Dick. Maybe the shooting will be there. He had every opportunity to be a part of this rotation right away. Like there was, I, I thought coming out of a training camp in the preseason, considering how sparingly he was used, that yeah, it would be like midway through the season you'd see him more integrated into mm-hmm. the rotation. And he, all of a sudden, he had. Games where he was playing almost yeah. like double-digit minutes, if he could shoot at all, boy, he could help this team. This Raptors team just needs some form. Of, I mean, that's why he was drafted by yeah. this team for the three-point shot, which has not uh, manifested itself in any way, shape, or form, even at the G League level. All right, time now for the Wake and Rake, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. Speaking of those Raptors, back at home to host the Phoenix Suns, who are through to the knockout stage of the in-season tournament. Uh, Raptors on the back end of back-to-backs, Suns team, uh, with a short favorite line at minus two and a half, Brent. How do you feel about this one? I'm taking the Suns. I don't know. What are we doing? What are we, what are we doing? You're just taking the win outright. Uh, that's the best way to go about it. It's a Raptors team that we just, we just talked about them. Go back and listen to everything we just said about them. And the Suns, they got, they got like better players than them. And they've been winning games even without Kevin Durant. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's a back half, back to back. I'm yeah. going to take the Suns on the money line. There is a bit, little bit of a leafy thing, though, to the Raptors in that they every time, every time you think they're dead and buried, they go out on the road and they beat the Mavericks and they end up with a mm-hmm. two and two road trip. So I'm actually, I'm going to take the Raptors plus the the two and a half. I actually and I like again, it's crazy mm-hmm. for the amount of money we've made on the under of mm-hmm. Raptors games. I like the over two twenty four and a half. Uh, all right, how about uh, one hockey game? Yep. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens in Columbus to play the resurgent Blue Jackets as the Blue Jackets are favored. Minus 133, the total six and a half in this one. I think you go over. I think that this is a Columbus team that has been a very different version of itself kind of since they got their benchings uh, out of the way. And Montreal's a little leaky. So, yeah, that's the thing I'm most confident in there. Either of those teams can beat the other. So, uh, got to go on the uh, the total there for me. Give me the over. I'm riding the narrative of the mm. Blue Jackets figuring it out after the Patrick Line situation. Give me the Blue Jackets minus 133. And I just quickly have one other thing to throw at you. Uh, it's for tomorrow, but I don't know that we'll be able to get to it. Tiger Woods to make an eagle in the first round at the Hero World Challenge, plus 500. It's not bad value. I'm not saying he's going to play well. Don't bet him to finish under 71, but 
for an eagle plus 500? You know this golf course. You've seen yeah, this, have, this tournament I've, in I person. I have walked it. Guess what? There's some gettable holes. It's set up for scoring. Tiger making an eagle? Not crazy. Plus 500. And who doesn't want to feel good? Oh, my Fist goodness. pumping for Tiger tomorrow? Yeah. Let's go. All right. That was the Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Bet local. When we come back, Maple Leafs just keep getting it done in the shootout. They figured it out. That's that's the way to to, to rack up all the points and end up at the top I'm, of the Atlantic Division. Mr. Positivity. Okay. No, they've they've done it. Yeah, but they, they play did. possum in the first twenty minutes and then they just wait it out. Playing until... possum with the Panther is a dangerous thing to do. <laughs> let me tell you. Or not? Or is there reason to be concerned about a team that's still holding strong on five regulation wins? We'll discuss with Nick Kiprios of Real Kipper and Born next. The Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590 The Fan.